Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made And I wish that I could talk to me And tell me I can change Don't be afraid Just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. This is Monica, and I am your host. Tonight is March 5th, 2013, and that was Monica Richardson singing Don't Be Afraid, which is available soon on iTunes. (laughs) That song, written so many years ago, finally got on a record that I finally finished, that I now have copies of and that eventually will be on iTunes soon. And when that happens, I'm going to have a show all about it and have somebody interview me. How about that? That's pretty exciting. Uh, I have a really great host that is coming to me all the way from Nyack, New York. And it's funny because I did live in New City when I was a little girl and loved Nyack. And this author and psychotherapist came to me through Charlie Adler, who I know, her brother. And so we have Cheryl Adler, who is a psychotherapist and a licensed clinical social worker, a diplomat and fellow with the American Psychotherapy Association. She has a master's degree in special ed and has worked with developmentally challenged children and brain-injured adolescents and adults and people with chronic and terminal illness. Cheryl is an OASIS treatment provider for the state of New York, the Office of Alcohol and Substance Abuse Services, and is a member of the National Association of Social Workers. Uh, Cheryl's past work experiences as an advocate for battered women, a home finder for foster children, and a life skills counselor in jail, an alcohol and substance abuse counselor in high school, uh, enrich her work as a therapist. And uh, she is well acquainted with the uh, the work that is going on in New York and if someone gets in trouble as well and they need a good psychotherapist. So I am going to bring her on. Oh, the name of her book, sorry, is Sober University. So let me see if this is Cheryl. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? I can. I can hear you loud and clear all the way from Nyack, New York. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for such a wonderful introduction. Oh, you're and welcome. And how about you come on my show so I can interview you and you can do your song live for us. Oh, I would love that. That would be great. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great piece of music. And uh, I would be honored to have you back on once I 
am done with my little hiatus that I'm taking right now. Oh, that, I would love that. That would be so great. So, so I, great. I would love it, too. And thank you for such a beautiful introduction. I'm happy to be with your audience tonight. I Actually, am so... Yeah, I am happy, too. Yes, and... Uh, I, I have not read your book yet, but I did go on to Amazon and I opened it up and I, you know, I took a little peek. Uh, uh-huh. And so I thought I would just start out with if you could just tell us um, a little bit about your background and what you do in New York right now. What's your main? Sure. Focus? Well, you know, you gave such a wonderful introduction. Um, I've I've gotten to wear so many hats in the course of my life and. All, all those journeys led me to go into private practice. And I work with all different people and populations with different challenges. And um, I kind of found this niche, or maybe it found me, in the recovery world. Mm-hmm. And so I work with people who voluntarily come in because they want to grow their life and they want their life to get better. So. We work on that, and I also work with people who are mandated by the courts who are not necessarily happy to meet with me, yeah. but, but obviously the, the goal is to make the therapy experience a, a very creative one and a, a, one that is just filled with possibilities and that is not punitive or shaming, which unfortunately we see too much of that in, in the the standard uh, mainstream system. Mm-hmm. So like yeah. you, Monica, I mm-hmm. I have tried to really get outside of that box in, in order to tap into the vein of gold that each individual has. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would you say, I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, who I, how I, you know, was introduced to you when I was talking to Charlie about my own experience and how I left AA and what I was finding um, in Alcoholics Anonymous and why I left. And, you know, then he said, oh, you know, my sister, she has a radio show, she has a book, and, you know, it was really interesting. And then we talked. So a lot of the listeners are people who have been actually very unhappy with Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, have left. I would say most this would be a non-pro AA you know, radio show, even though I once loved it, um, I'm not in that, you know, category anymore. But I did, I think it was, I would like you to talk about what you, um, a positive way, if somebody came to you that was, uh, or has this ever happened, who was harmed by Alcoholics Anonymous, was 13 stepped, was preyed on, or someone comes and feels really stuck, what do you do with that person, or how would you help them? Well, I don't think that AA is for everybody. Um, when people come in and they are in the program and they find that the program has benefited them, I don't dissuade them from staying in the program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but if people are have come to me and they say that the program makes me feel worse or I can't connect to it, I can't relate, then um, it's not something that I would personally say, well, you know, in order to get sober, you have to do this. It's a mandatory thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't subscribe to that. What I would say is that it's like anything in life. Um, you can be harmed in, in so many different settings where you have entrusted yourself. You want so much to feel safe and you want so much to have confidentiality and you put your faith 
and you're thrust into something and then you feel you're you're injured, you're damaged, you're betrayed mm-hmm. by something that's not supposed to do that to you. It's supposed to be quite the opposite. It's like mm-hmm. you believe that your parents are going to keep you safe and then in some situations, unfortunately, that does not happen. Right. So, so what I say is that there is wisdom in the the essence of the twelve steps. It's it's like the ten commandments. They're they they are ethics that a person could live by. They're guidelines. It's a framework. But it doesn't mean that you have to embrace the culture of AA unless you luck out and you find a meeting that's got a lot of integrity and you do feel safe. So I, I have people who are um, a mix in which some people thrive in AA who are not harmed by it, mm-hmm. um, who do well. I don't believe that it replaces therapy. Right. I, I think right. that it, it could potentially be a good support group, but I would also say that if you have listeners who have been harmed, right. you you cannot go to a place to, to get sober and be anxious and afraid and, and feel damaged by it that's that then you've got to get out you cannot be there right you know i have a question because i saw that you've been in the field for a long time but 25 years you've been in the field yes don't don't tell don't give my age away. Ah! oh i i give mine okay i know i will let's like we my, won't go there as charlie would say my age is none of my business <laughs> So I'm 38 now, and I never want to get 30, 38 or 39 or 40. with such a nice age, but uh, uh, you don't realize yeah. how gorgeous you are at 40 until you're not 40 anymore. But um, one of the things that I found shocking, Cheryl, was that in 2009, I had no idea that smart recovery existed, that moderation management existed, that Life Ring or Women for Sobriety did, and so I'm an SOS. As someone who's been in the field, what have you seen a change? First of all, when did you know that those other things were around as options? And do you see a shift towards the courts and other people wanting to go to some of these other things and go on to online meetings? Well, I encourage people, if they if they feel safer to be in an online meeting, to do that rather than to be in a meeting where they don't feel safe if that structure works. For them, right. I would say that the court system is still um, pretty rigid. Um, they like formulas. They don't like to think outside the box. Um, Interesting. What what does that mean? Does I mean, there's uh, well, even it, mean, in- it means it means that they, you know, they're into the cookie cutter world, which mm. is um, a very different world from the world that you're in, or that yeah. I. <laughs> or that I want to be in, you know, my my book is really uh, my book really questions the whole cookie cutter mm-hmm. viewpoint uh, because you know I'm I'm not um, immersed in statistics I'm I'm immersed in in working with people's souls and hearts and minds but if we were to look at statistics there's a a horrific relapse rate it's somewhere up in the 87 percent range. Wow. And so that was one of the reasons I wrote my book, to question mm-hmm. how much of this is based on a person's difficulty with recovery and how much is it the system that is failing them? Does the system work? How right. does the system work? And how does the system fail people? 
Mm-hmm. And if the system is failing people, what do we need to do to change that? Right, right. Uh, well, you know, when, when, you, when I hear you say the, the stuff about the cookie-cutter thing, my head gets a little locked onto that. And I, I think off the phone we talked about uh, the sentencing here that's done illegally of, of, a, of a judge actually saying you need to go to an AA meeting, which they're not supposed to do. And right. in New York, I also know that that was also, you know, deemed too religious. So are you saying that they still think that AA is the best way and the only way? No, no. no. I would say that um, because the laws in New York changed a number of years ago, because God is mentioned or higher power is mentioned in the 12 steps mm-hmm. that uh, a ruling took place that said that the court system or the probation department could no longer enforce this idea of mandating people into AA. Right. Now what they try to do is that they will, it, let's just say they they try to persuade people to go to AA and to have their attendance uh, monitored by being signed in into the program. Wow. Um, if you if you are um, trying to have a charge like a felony reduced to a misdemeanor, um, there are places called drug court which you have to go to, mm-hmm. and you have to follow all of their rules. And one of them is that you have to go to four AA meetings a week. Oh my God, that's nuts! Yeah. That's nuts. You know, I mean, the world in it's 1970s. You know, I had a sponsor, an old lady sponsor, who told me to not go to too many meetings. That wasn't healthy. Uh-huh. You know, she said you shouldn't go to a Saturday night. Forget it. Don't go to. You should go out to the movies and go dancing with young people. I mean, that's healthy. That's sick. You know, to and I've heard people. You know, who there was a period in L.A. where people went to, you know, meetings every day and more than one a day. And uh, but I don't want, you know, that's a, a tangent. I could go down that road so fast. But you have something good to offer. You have um, an approach that's one person. Each person is an individual. Yes. That you treat that way. And what we're seeing, Cheryl, is that people are really. When I interviewed people for my film, that it really felt like it is a one. One on one, that no, there is no uh, program that can just do that, and that therapy is the thing that helped uh, that helps us. Anyone who has any other issues, which I do have listeners, that's why I want you on. And um, regardless, if we might not agree completely on the steps, because I'm in a place where I don't like them at all anymore. You know, <laughs> I mean, I I don't, but I think you have the compassion and. Um, that's that emotional empathy that healed me in therapy. Yeah. When I did my childhood work with this therapist that I had that was so fantastic. So, Uh, lucky you. That's wonderful. Yeah, I was really, really lucky. So, uh, I know there are people who have long left AA and still suffer from low self esteem stuff and were, were abused as children. And so, Let's talk about whatever you want where maybe someone listening uh, can get something from you. I want to tell everybody I'm listening. I'm, we're talking where you are listening to Cheryl Adler, and she is out of Nyack, New York, and she has a book, Sober University, 
and she has a practice in uh, that lovely little town. So that's who we're talking to tonight. So go ahead, Cheryl. And- Thank you. Yeah, my, my lovely little town is on the mighty Hudson River, which brings me great serenity. And um, in speaking with you, Monica, I want to thank you again for inviting me onto your show because we are talking about um, that that there are people who are helped by AA and at the same time there are people who feel betrayed and harmed by AA. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm saying to you on this show and, and to your listeners and what I write about in my book, which is a, a pretty exhaustive body of work, it's over just over 400 pages long. Wow. And it, it's divided into sections. It's really all about how to live a sober life. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, maybe somebody who has nothing else going on, no support, no network, n- no, no, nothing to hold them or catch them, maybe they need those meetings in the beginning. Um, but what we're really striving for is genuine therapy, deep, deep work that helps to heal the, the, the real genuine wounds that are at the heart of the addictions, whatever mm-hmm. the addictions are, mm-hmm. and that you can't put a Band-Aid over a, a huge gaping wound. It's not going to work. Right. So when I talk about therapy, I'm talking about people who need to be willing to go through the fire, walk on the hot stones, and know that they're going to survive the process and the process is going to give them their life back in in a, a way that they might never have imagined before. I'm not saying that as a magical thinker, but as a person who has seen dramatic, deep, and lasting change in people who started out in the most horrific places and they did great things with their lives. And when I say great things, I'm, I'm not saying that they hit the six numbers or they won an Oscar, although that's all good, too. Right, right. But but that, you know, if they grew a garden or they learned how to raise their child with great love and tenderness or they went back to school and they got a degree in something mm-hmm. or they connected to their uh, ability to sing like you sing. Mm-hmm. or their ability to paint or write a poem, to become a writer, whatever that thing is, mm-hmm. that spark of life in them, that's what it's all about. And to be able to do that without altering your state of mind where you're dependent on a substance or a process to get you through the day. You know, you really brought me back to a moment where I saw how the 12-step in AA And even N.A., I went to that because there were more young people um, in that group. Uh, At about six years sober, I was 24 years old, and I had uh, begun to take voice lessons, and I would play, like, you know, folk music and the guitar and do that kind of singing. And I was beginning to take voice lessons with an amazing woman who I had to study Italian, sing arias, and learn how to sing in these other languages. Fabulous. It was really fantastic. It was like a really amazing teacher. And I loved singing, you know, those Italian songs from the 17th and 18th century. And I had never tried to sing that. But at that time, Pat Benatar and a lot of the rock singers, it turned out, were singing opera as a basis to get your, you know, your voice in incredible shape. 
so that it wasn't oh, how wonderful! like the oh. previous singers did. So I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Let me, I'll study this so that I can get my voice really kind of out of my throat because it's kind of like stuck uh-huh. in my throat. And I started yes. to go on auditions. Now, here I was feeling very confident about my life. I had a full-time job. I took care of myself. I had my own little car and my own little independence. But I went on auditions, and I was terrified. And I remember going to meetings and saying, I, I, had to, I left the audition afraid and crying. And, oh. it, and I realized then, and it was before then really at six years in AA, that there was something really missing. I, I, it was, I needed so much more, Cheryl, you know, and sure. I saw that it was sure. lacking. And, and therapy was not really popular then. It was like considered to be, you know, you really didn't work your program well enough. And if you just worked your program, then you would, <laughs> it's going to fix everything. Yeah, and I was like, the it's ma- not fixing everything. There, yeah. You know what I mean? And it didn't sure. help me walk into the door and, and sing for the audition. And mm-hmm. as soon after that, I moved to California. But, you know, when you were saying all that, I kind of, you know, it was like, mm, there's so much missing. And, uh, wow, I don't know, it was just a flashback. Uh, thank God I, I went to the Groundlings and I pushed through and took real acting classes and then got real therapy when I was 15 years sober and 30 and having a child, which changed my life and really pulled Oh, my God. You, you had great courage to, to do all that. You really had great courage. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a metaphor, but for you, it's an actuality. You found your voice. Right, right. And, and I think that's, I, I don't think I know that's, what I strive for as a therapist, as a facilitator working with people is helping them find their voice and how mm-hmm. that can manifest in their own life so so that they're living a real authentic life and they're not just going through the motions. Right, right. And, you know, on the cover of my book, I have a quote that comes from inside the book. I hope it's okay if I share it with you. Yeah, of course. I, I'm looking at one of your pages right here. Go ahead, share it. Go ahead. Yeah, let's talk it about says, it. It says, if you're going to crave anything, crave living life to the fullest. Maximize all you have and squander nothing. Wow. Yes, that is... A, so uh, you want to live a big life. You don't want to... You know, one of the things that uh, and I'll say this because I really, uh, I really am going to give AA a hard time. One of the things that even my husband and I talked about that as you begin to progress, and this is even in Los Angeles, you mm-hmm. it's it's not cool to go there and express your uh, achievements and your successes. Like there's this. Uh, you know, you're supposed to be humble and the group is more important. Like, there's a real sick attitude um, from somebody uh-huh. who is a, se- a severe insider, you know, who mm-hmm. um, actually had some success. Or when you see other people, that people are, are, are told really wacky stuff by older kind of uh, guru-type people when they mm-hmm. have their success or there's a lot of jealousy. And, I mean... This is the, what you're talking about is something that does not happen in Alcoholics Anonymous. It might happen in BDA, which is business, you know, owners of Debtors Anonymous in, in, in Los Angeles. But I'm telling you, it doesn't happen in AA. You know, uh-huh. you're supposed to, you know, be humble and small. And that's, uh, I think that the band-aid you're talking about, 
is a big band-aid. And the fact that our courts, you know, are using this as the main thing is, you know, one of the things as an activism that I want to change is that these mm-hmm. judges begin to look at, we have to give it to them, though, Cheryl. It's like, I know that they're not going to come up with it, you know, Uh that we have to say to them, look, like there's Smart Recovery, there's HAMS Network, you know, there's Harm Reduction, there's Life Ring, there's um, uh, On Track and Beyond, there's Amy Lee Coy who's developing a workshop uh, for people. And there's a lot of other options now, and they need to be offering them to people because there will be so much less recidivism if they do it. Absolutely. So I would encourage you to invite them to everything that you just mentioned me because they won't know about it unless they're invited to experience it and see that it is a viable option. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to do, um, I believe that Smart Hams and uh, someone else is making a trifle to get to the courts and we're going to make one for Los Angeles that's going to have... wonderful. Yeah, like a pamphlet for both someone who gets a, like a DUI and then a person who, for the judge and the lawyers to say, look guys... Like you know, uh, <laughs> that's there. fantastic. If you if you can reach out to the defense attorneys and the the uh, district attorney's office and say, you know, we we understand that you have uh, very traditional methods, but we have um, options that we would like you to consider. Mm. And you know, please come in and talk with us and experience this and ask us questions and and see how we have succeeded in our life using these other methods. Oh, I like that wording. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's much more softer than my wording would be. <laughs> Invite me over, I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Gunther and I wouldn't be so sweet. <laughs> no, but we do have to approach. I love that. Thank you. That is a really uh, a great way to say it. Mm-hmm. When we yeah, get well, I, I, I think what you want to do is really invite people to to have the experience themselves, a hands-on, a real experience. Otherwise, um, you know, if, if they sense that you feel adversarial toward them, they'll be very turned off, and they they won't they'll miss out on what you're trying to convey, what you want to share. Mm. And that that what you say is so true. It's an option. And we need to have those options. We're not the same. All of us are different, and we respond differently to, to different the way people reach out to us. And if people are harsh to us, we're, most of us are going to be repelled by that. Right, and, right. And, you know, there there is a distinction here. There's nothing wrong with being having humility, but um, having humility at at the uh, risk of sacrificing your soul is not the right thing to do. So what you described to me is, you know, the story of the crabs in the barrel. You know that story. Yeah, yeah, I do. You know, you're you're the crab that's climbing up to get out and you see the sunlight and you go, oh, my God, look at that sun. i got to get in it. i got to be in that light. Right. And the other crowds go, hey, wait a minute, yo, you you are not getting out. We're not leaving, you're not leaving. And so that's what we're, you and I are both saying the same thing. Everybody should have the chance to shine in the light and and to expand their world and to grow 
in whatever way is best for them. And that's what my therapy is all about, is helping people find the uniqueness. It doesn't have to be, there's no protocol. It's what works best for that individual. Right, right. Um, do you find if uh, somebody gets, uh, so you are sent people who maybe have a drunk driving charge? Is that some of the people that you work with? Many of the people I work with <clears throat> come to me through the system because they have been driving uh, under the influence of alcohol and or drugs. Uh, perhaps they ha- are in possession of a drug or drugs are found in their vehicle. Mm. And um, they have to have, in the state of New York, it's a law that you have to have a drug and alcohol evaluation in order for the court to proceed with your case. God, and so well, we have a minute left. I made this show, show shorter today because I thought you had a, a, a client, you know, um, which we I, I can see now we could have talked for a whole hour. So we're yes, going to we finish could. it up, but I'll ha- I'll have you back again soon. Um, time is oh, running out. We have forty it. seconds. I want to talk more about what we what you just brought up, uh-huh. and um, everybody out here. We were just talking to Cheryl Adler. She's up in Nyack, New York. And she's a psychotherapist, and her book is Sober University. I'm going to thank you so much, Cheryl, for being on the show tonight, and we'll have uh, you back again. Thank you. And I I just would like to say that the the subtitle of my book is Your Next Step to Successful Recovery. And so it's really about finding your next step, and it's Mm. all about your success. Okay. And I want to thank you so much, Monica, for having me on the show tonight, and I'd love to come back. Okay. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Keep singing. I want to hear you sing on my show next time. Okay. Thank you, everybody, and good night, and we'll see you next week. And we will have uh, Gunther is going to be on at the end of the month with me to co-host for uh, celebrating two years on Blog Talk Radio and over 60,000 downloads and listens and (laughs) over 95 shows I've done. So it's pretty awesome. We'll have you on again, Cheryl. Good night. Congratulations, and thanks thank you. again, Monica. It was wonderful. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. I think the show has ended. Thank you so much, and we'll see you again next week uh, for another episode of Safe Recovery on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs>